Grinding along here through days where baseball should be played, but spring training, just not going to start on time. By the way, before we begin, these sunglasses that everyone's wearing here, Tanner Gomartin, of course, Tyre Hood, myself, Max Gretzel with you today, as always. These are not Joel Embiid meme sunglasses, all right? These are not Joel Embiid meme sunglasses. This is because we got a little spring break refresher here uh, at Temple University, so spring break for us, finally. Tanner, myself, T, all on the grind right now. So it's been a few weeks since we were able to come and bring content to you guys. But that's not to say you didn't get your it's sports about damn fix time. because James Harden is now a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. So we know you guys are excited. We're excited as well. Uh, it's going to be a fun couple months here in Philadelphia and hopefully uh, for the foreseeable future as long as Harden sticks around uh, for the next couple of years. But Daryl Morey got the job done. Ben Simmons is no longer a 76ers player. Uh, Seth Curry's gone in that trade as well. Andre Drummond, Paul Millsap came back as well. We'll brush that under the rug. No disrespect to Paul, but the main guy here is James Harden, and uh, he's going to kick it off things off tonight. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves on the road. I know we are fired up for it, and the city of Philadelphia is as well for good reason. I mean, this is a guy that's a multi-time all-star, uh, has not gotten that ring yet, scoring champion, MVP, all the actors except for that ring, and he's here to do one job, and that's raise banner uh, in Philadelphia. Damn right. Damn right. That's that's their main job. That's the main thing I thought about as soon as the trade went down. All right, time to win this chip. And that's honestly what this what this trade is going to be judged by. It's going to be if whether or not, you know, the combination of James Harden and Joel Embiid is strong enough to be able to um bring a championship to Philadelphia. That's going to be the ultimate thing. That's 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 really all there is to it with this trade. I mean, look, and I'm I'm going to probably say something that isn't the most popular thing to say. People have been choosing sides about who won this trade. Honestly, both sides benefit. The Sixers benefit because they finally got a player that can play off of Joel Embiid. You might see some pick-and-pop situations, some pick-and-roll situations. Embiid isn't necessarily known for being a pick-and-pop, a pick-and-roll situation, but he can pick-and-pop because he does like playing on the perimeter. He does like facing up with jump shot from 15, 18 feet out. So you might see some things like that, but... You finally get another score, a con- another consistent score to you know pair alongside Joel Embiid, and with the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, look, they they get a really good passer. I'm, I'm, say what you want about Ben Simmons, but one of his biggest assets was his Sucks. passing ability. Look, Max, you can say whatever you want about that. Like his one of his best passing one one of his best abilities is his passing. All right, and the fact that he, I'm a good passer too. Here, here I'll <laughs> throw this pen to you. Take that pen. I'm a good passer as well. You know, the thing is, and I'm going to take these sunglasses off because my my lord, they are really bothering my face. Uh, but but for, for the Sixers to be able to win this trade, T, I know you're saying both sides benefit, but here's the thing. Sixers got rid of a backup center that they only paid Andre Drummond the vet minimum to come in to back up and beat. Of course, Seth Curry's a big-time loss because of his yeah. ability to shoot the basketball. But Ben Simmons wasn't going to play for the Sixers ever again regardless. So that's why Daryl Morey had to go out and get this deal done. I think Brooklyn did get better, of course. You're adding Andre Drummond. They needed somebody in the front court. You can't just roll out Nick Claxton every game and expect him to produce at a high level. Drummond's a veteran presence. He's going to come in to the Brooklyn organization and play well. Of course, Seth Curry, when you can shoot, you can shoot. You're born to do it. And he's going to come in for Brooklyn and be able to shoot the lights out. But we'll see with Ben Simmons. Listen, Kyrie Irving, we'll see what the New York mandates are going to 
uh, put into play here as far as clearing any kind of mandates that we just mentioned, of course, with him being able to play in every single game now. Kevin Durant still hurt. Ben Simmons still working his way back. Joe Harris coming back from that ankle surgery. We'll see if he's 100% healthy. So uh, there's not a lot of time for Brooklyn to work with in order to get on the same page. Less than 25 games to play. And, of course, they just got beat last night by the Boston Celtics without a couple of key players. This is true. This yeah, is true. James Harden effect on this team needs to be immediate. We talk about that two-year window we have with James Harden with the age and what we have given up with the youth, as in Ben Simmons. He didn't want to play for this team. What good would it have been to keep him another season on the bench not playing? But my question is to see who's going to be that fifth guy. Is it going to be Danny Green or Matisse Thibel? If you put in Matisse Thibel, which it looks like it will be, that adds to the defense that's much needed, especially around the perimeter. But you look at him as an offensive player and see 28% from the arc, not good for a team that needs that crunch time player. But you don't have to worry too much about having the weight on Thibault's shoulders because you bring in James Harden, one of the best of the one of the top 75 players in NBA history that has to add on to your team. And it's going to be extra special March 10th when these two teams collide again and see, was this trade worth it? Now, real quick, um, though, not to mention the fact that, you know, I agree with you on the Danny Green and the Matisse Thibel thing, but also let's not forget who was running this offense for the, for the entire season so far. And that was Tyrese Maxey. And now he doesn't have to be a point guard anymore. Now he can be that scoring guard that we all want him to be. And now the only thing he has to focus on is scoring the ball, which is something that he's proven that he can do. Now, March 10th, as much as I want to go to that game, um, the way my bank account is set up, I ain't going to be able to go to it. Um, two, $300 a pop for it, for a seat. Yeah. That's a little too rich for my blood, but I will say this. I, I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. I do not think Ben Simmons will play in that game. It, there's, I, I kind of, I, there's no way in hell. He's too soft. He's too soft. He's I, not going to play. I don't see him playing in that game on March 10th. I, I just don't think he has the mentality to be able to face not only his old teammates, who's who, according to Joel Embiid and a bunch of and a bunch of them, has been on account of saying this as well, trying to support him and things of that nature, trying to get him to come back. Not only can he not face them, but the Philly crowd, mm, he might be the most hated Philly athlete of all time. Tanner, to your point, real quick, you mentioned the Matisse Thibel thing, of course, with Danny Green. Danny Green's been in the heat uh, of the media again recently with some comments regarding Ben Simmons. Have you take the audience through what some of his words were in exchange with uh, and surrounding Ben Simmons? So originally, this is a completely different scenario than we have seen earlier in the season. Danny Green seemed to be the only player on the team still communicating with Ben Simmons when he was not playing. And now, recently, you see... And we know Seth Curry, Drummond were put in that package to Brooklyn with Ben Simmons. And this to me is Seth Curry trying to be a, a, a you know, a good teammate, mate, whether or not he actually agrees with Ben Simmons or not. Seth Curry went out and said that Ben Simmons, there's no need for him to apologize to Philadelphia for what happened. He did what he did. It's a business and it, it was a business move and he got what he wanted at the end. Danny Green on his podcast was talking about how Ben Simmons, um, you know, he, he, he kind of had that disconnect 
but he's not going to, he doesn't hate, he doesn't hate Ben Simmons. He doesn't dislike him, but he doesn't think that Ben Simmons is going to play in Philadelphia because he said he knows how much he didn't like playing in Philadelphia and how much this Philly fan base is going to absolutely rip into him if he's there. And Danny Green said, you know, it's, it is what it is at this point. Let bygones be bygones. I believe that was the exact quote, but come March 10th, they're not going to, they're probably not going to be shaking hands before the game. And it's going to be a real, it's going to be a tough matchup. I agree. It's going to be a tough matchup because like I said, both teams benefited from this trade. Um, they, the, the Nets get an awesome passer to pair along with their ultimate scorers and Kevin Durant, you know, part-time player Kyrie Irving eventually, you know, I, I guess New York is going to lift their sanctions eventually. I don't, nobody knows, but you know, that's Ben Simmons. Now he doesn't have to focus on scoring. Like he, that's not his main focus anymore. He does not have to do that. He's got, he's got plenty of scores on that team that he can dish the ball out to. All he has to do is some of the things that he does best. And that is play defense and pass the ball. Now here's the thing where, I kind of need to just school some New Yorkers a little bit because the trade went down and my phone goes wild. I I know plenty of people in New York between friends and, you know, old coworkers and things of that nature. They're texting me back and forth. They're like, you know, oh, man, Ben Simmons, we're going to be we're top. We're the best in the East now. Ain't nobody going to stop us. Y'all stupid. Y'all just gave up a great player to us. And I'm like, y'all don't really know what y'all got. I really don't think you guys 100% know what y'all got. And here's the thing. Here's where it's going to be exposed. It's going to be exposed come around playoff time when Ben Simmons is in the game in the fourth quarter and team is down by, let's say, 5, 10 points, and they start implementing that hack of Ben, and Ben Simmons has to go to the free throw line, that's the player that you're going to see come playoff time. You're not going to get this all-around great player that you guys think that you're getting you're getting a great regular season player but in terms of a playoff player oh please see one of the things that one of your co-workers actually said this week and had a conversation about and we, we were all of course we listened to wrp throughout the uh week uh one of the things i heard was the combination and the just the comparison i guess is a better word to use between ben simmons and matisse Stiebel. both players have not gotten better at all statistically speaking offensively throughout their time here in philadelphia one player's hated one player's loved. What are the reasons behind the the, the factors uh, thrown into uh, why the Philadelphia fan base loves Matisse Thybulle and hates Ben Simmons, even though both of these players, some people would argue, I don't, I'm not saying I agree with this, some people argue, both neither player has gotten better offensively. I mean, that's an excellent point. I'm not even going to front to you. That's an excellent point. But the difference is you see Matisse actually trying. Like Matisse will shoot a, shoot a shot if he's open. Like at least he tries. That's the thing. That's the difference between Matisse and Ben Simmons was that Matisse tried. Ben Simmons didn't. And that's the big thing I think people have to remember. We will reward you for effort. Hell, y'all remember the episodes that we were that we were having talking about this same situation. And we were just saying, damn it, just try. Even if you miss, just try. You got an open shot. Take it. Try. Game after game, we would see Ben Simmons defender at the free throw line while he's standing there at, at the three point line, looking for a pass. At least Matisse tries. That's what I had to say on that. Matisse tries. 
Ben Simmons. I'm not. I didn't see no type of growth. Yep. the The big difference between these two players is one player embraces the city, the other one runs and hides from it. Ben Simmons, whether he was playing good or not, it didn't seem like he had that great of a connection with the city of Philadelphia. And it's hard to compare Joel Embiid to any player on this team because he represents Philadelphia the best out of um, any current player that I, I would see on any any Philadelphia team. I feel like it. Joel Embiid perfectly represents the city of Philadelphia with the grit, hardworking, the attitude he has when he's playing games and when he's not playing games. But for Matisse Thibel, and I mentioned that 28%, um, from above the arc, that is a little more brushed under the rug, I think, because of the Ben Simmons drama, and that and that Matisse Thibel, he, it, we know he needs to improve in his game, but what what covers that is his defense. And Danny Green is uh, talking Danny Green because he one of the at fifth spot is because Danny Green is quite the opposite of Matisse Thibel. His offense is what powers him, but his defense is lackluster, uh, to say the least. That was my bad. Not even going for it. <laughs> Tay, don't worry about it. I think one of the things that Tanner brings to light here, it's important to figure out and think about. And on that note, of course, I want to transition into this next topic, which still remains with the Sixers, but it goes along with the Harden trade and the Willie Cauley-Stein acquisition. But first, with Matisse Thibault, the offensive game, of course, hasn't improved. But you you mentioned it. The defensive ability, of course, is there. I think he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the game. Easily. But the way he interacts with the city uh, gives effort on both ends. And also, the, you got to factor in this. Ben Simmons, the first overall pick, a lot of high expectations coming into the league. Matisse Thibault also picked in the 20s. Not really expected to be a big-time player, more of a role guy off the bench. That's kind of how he's been throughout his career, especially being a four-year player at the University of Washington with his ceiling being – uh, not as high as other players. But uh, Willie Cauley-Stein bought out uh, by the Dallas Mavericks back in January. He's now added to the Sixers front court behind Joel Embiid. For you guys, does that get your backup center fix out of the way with Drummond gone? Uh, I know it's not going to be a big-time difference maker at all. You just needed another body there behind Embiid who's not useless like Paul Reed or Charles Bassey. Uh, yeah, uh, no disrespect, but those guys are terrible. Uh, <laughs> but I just needed a guy Jesus. in there to at least rim run a little bit. Bunch of low life dunks from James Harden, uh, which is basically what he's going to be asked to do, and also protect the rim. He was a big time rim protector at Kentucky, more of defensive end presence, uh, kind of how like Nerlens Noel was at Kentucky, also. But is that all right? You guys satisfied? Whatever buyout market, Callie Stein, sure, or is it like wow? Why do we even grab him? I mean, you needed a, you needed a backup center after you traded away Andre Drummond. So if Willie Cauley Stein was the best option that we had, then Willie Cauley Stein was the best option that we had. He's not a bad he's not a bad backup option in my personal opinion. All we need is a guy that basically you know dispel Joel and B for some minutes during the course of a game and to defend the and to defend the rim. That's really all we pretty much need. That's pretty much what Andre Drummond did. He, he was excellent. He did an excellent job at it. And you know what? I'm not even worried about Andre Drummond for real, for real going to Brooklyn because Embiid can pretty much dominate Andre Drummond. Like he's done it in the past. As a matter of fact, remember before you got signed, uh, before you got signed this season, they had beef. Andre Drummond and Joel Embiid they had beef. And Embiid would say things like, "Oh, I'm written real estate in your head," and honestly, he did. He whooped Andre Drummond's ass pretty much every time out. So. 
we it's, need- not, it's not you're not lying there too. He, he <laughs> did whip his ass pretty badly. And also, how about this? All Star Weekend, Carl Anthony Towns and Embiid having a little chit chat with Embiid's son Arthur there after their prior beef tackling each other to the floor a few years back. With that being said, they'll do battle tonight as well. But go ahead, Senator, on the Coley Stein note. Mm-hmm. Definitely helps the team because before this and with the loss of Andre Drummond on this team, you have who Paul Millsap to take over for Embiid when Embiid's not in the game. And now this helps fill in the hole because we know Joel Embiid can't play an entire game. Obviously, no player can play an entire game as much as they might want to. And Joel Embiid health-wise going down the stretch how many games is he going to miss at the end of this season where we will need a player like Holly Stein to step up and, and put in some decent amount of minutes and play and show the strength of this team. But I don't, you know, I think that this team is the Sixers are in a good spot right now, filling it in. I, of course, when the trade went down, I was missing Seth Curry. Of course. Of course. I mean, who, who wouldn't the, the amount of uh, perimeter of, ability he has but you have other guys step in like danny green who was very inconsistent Um, we're talking a season ago danny green (laughs) and seth curry were brought in for the exact reason for perimeter shooting and they were very inconsistent but the better player to me was seth curry and i think that was obvious especially but that's what added to the trade the value steph curry carried with andre drummond Two now that we fill in the hole with Coley Stein, and I'm ready to see this team roll. And I'm curious to see um, the health of Harden in this first game coming back from that. I know there was a hamstring injury questioning if it was legit or not. What? Uh, he looks pretty fit in the practice uh, between in the one on ones with Embiid in those videos in the gym. So I'm very pumped. I'm pumped to see Harden and Embiid on the court, share the same court on the same team. Man, what a duo. It's going to be hype tonight, of course. There's some players on this team, however, that I just look at and I say, why are they even on the team? I know you have to fill out the roster, but T, let me just give you some names here. Paul Reed, 22 years old, 6'9". He's getting paid $1.5 million this year. All right, fine. He's getting paid $1.5 million. He's He's out the mud. He's out the mud. That's fine. Whatever. (laughs) You need bodies. You need bodies on the team. Now, recently, him and also uh, we're we're Jaden Springer, both sent back to the Delaware Bluecoats. Isaiah Joe. I can do away with Isaiah Joe. Another guy getting paid $1.5 million. He's terrible. Um, and that's not this, like, like people say, oh, you're disrespecting these guys. Like, he's just not good. Like, second-round pick coming out of Arkansas or, or wherever, yeah, Arkansas, wherever he's from, fine. Charlie Brown. Like, uh, cool. can we get some just – I think the depth on this bench is really what concerns me most, T, because – Cauley Stein, I would like to see him come in here and just get those backup minutes. I really don't want to see any more Paul Reed or Charles Bassey because Cauley Stein's just a better player. Cork Moss off your bench, fine. He's a legitimate NBA player. Danny Green off your bench, sure. Give me give me Paul Millsap, fine. I'll get to take Paul Millsap on my bench as well, a veteran guy in a locker room. And Niang and Shake Milton, fine. But the rest of these guys, you know, I just I don't. I guess because Springer. you have to have some people back and forth between Delaware and whatnot, uh, but. Do you think there needs to be more things added to this bench? And when I say more things, I mean maybe just one more body uh, who might be able to give you a little bit more in the backcourt. And I, I hesitate to ask you that because we tried that last year with George Hill, and it just went to shit immediately. 
So that's why I kind of hesitate to ask you. Well, the difference is with, with George Hill, we traded for George Hill. So the trade deadline is passed. So we ain't got to worry about no trades. We just got to worry about who's buy out there for the agents. Yeah, buyout market. So here's the thing, though. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I've, I've been scanning a little bit of the buyout market. Um, who's available? Like, that's that's my main thing. Like, I know we – Max, I agree with you. I want better bodies on the bench. I've been crying about that for a couple of years now. But there's hardly anybody on the buyout market. Like, Goran Dragic, he goes to Brooklyn. So, who I else is there? Goran Dragic. I think Goran Dragic is better than Shake Milton. I agree with you. I agree with you. I would have taken Goran Dragic coming, out the, coming off the bench, being a part of that bench. I, I completely agree with you, but he went to Brooklyn. So, what you going to do about that? Look. We got it. We need bodies. And that's period point blank. There's not really anybody out there on the buyout market. The one guy, Goran Dragic, went to Brooklyn, as I just said. It's nothing much we can do about this bench right now, unfortunately. Which My sucks. problem with the bench is, uh, guys, is that we really only have one ball handler coming off of the bench. It's Shake Milton to, to go behind Tyrese Maxey and, and James Harden. Because other than that, you have Cork Moss coming off your bench. He's not going to really ball handle at a high level. Isaiah Joe can't ball handle. There's no real guards, and I wish we had like one more body. Like Dragic would have been a perfect fit. Unfortunately, he's in Brooklyn. I don't want to harp on that too much. But this team, I think we all agree, win in a championship where they are right now and compete with Milwaukee and Phoenix. One player that comes to mind with adding to the, the shooting ability to this team and the presence on the court is Kent Bazemore. I believe he's still available on the, in the buyout market. And also Derek Favors. Now, when Daryl Morey mentioned that they already had a guy, they already um, had one set up, I I did not imagine Coley Stein being that, that guy that Daryl Morey was hyping up for the answer. So I think Morey still has a few, a few names in mind to add to the depth of this team. For the bench right now with Cork Moss and whoever else is going to be on that bench and coming off for this team to try to propel them down the stretch. Every game is going to count now. Does it bother you at all that there's not another name at the moment on this bench uh, that may not give us a high time, a high, a big time advantage, I should say, down the stretch against the Bucks and whatnot, or can Harden and B just carry them themselves? I mean, I, yeah, it's disappointing, but you got to work with what you have. I mean, I know in the beginning of the show we had said that you know that this season that with the heart and trade this this trade really rides and dies with you know championship or bust um, situation and mentality, but the reality is you still need a couple more pieces. Like I'm sorry, they, this bench has to get better. By the way, Kent Bazemore still at the Lakers, so uh, he could be bought out. We right. don't know yet, but at this no. moment he's still with the Lakers. He's a potential buyout option. Yes, he's a potential buyout option, but yeah. I, I, I know we won a championship bad for the Sixers, and and so do I. But the bench is really going to be the Achilles heel come to, come playoff time because now you're going to have to play your starters like what forty eight minutes a game. Like that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Do you, do you guys know that that Tobias Harris is getting paid four million dollars more than Embiid is this year? Yeah, don't remind me. This will be his last season on the Sixers. It's and, wild to think about. And what do you mean by that, Tanner? Trade. Well, what's he here for? The uh, so Daryl Moore clearing up space. I know they're talking about James Harden not, you know, with with his contract waiting. So they're they're holding up. I don't believe in that thing. Why would he do that? Um, however, I do think that 
Daryl Morey informed the team on what he plans to do next season. And with the way that James Harden, I mean, the last two seasons, we've been questioning, or not James Harden, um, Tobias Harris. We've been questioning his uh, productivity on this team. And I did not think, I thought Tobias Harris would be gone by the trade deadline, honestly. But because they bring in James Harden, you can't, you can't say goodbye to Tobias Harris because then you have those two guys who's your three. But with the three we have now, I mean, it, it's definitely win now atmosphere. But I think if the job's not done, they don't get past somehow the second round. I think Tobias Harris will be gone. Yeah, I agree with that statement. Tobias Harris has been a liability on the offensive side of the ball, unfortunately. However, I feel as though he's been a liability this year because he's had this year and in previous years past is because he's played a position where he's not supposed to. And that is he's been in, he's have to be the number two scorer. He's not a number two scorer. He's more or less a number three or number four with the trade of Harden. Well, now he slides back to being a number three, number four option. So I can live with that. I don't like, right. I don't like how much I'm paying a, a number three or number four option on offense, but Maybe he might improve. Maybe, just maybe, since now the focal point isn't necessarily on Tobias Harris to score. I think the key is right. with James it, Harden's health also, Tanner. Like, can Daryl Morey find somebody that, that's a trade partner to take Tobias's contract? Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's the problem. It's the not as much as Tobias Harris's play on the court right now, um, whether we like it better or not. It's his contract that that's the worst part. That contract is the reason why a lot of people aren't aren't just gonna touch aren't gonna gonna touch Tobias Harris. Let's be honest right. here. Nobody's gonna pay a guy who at best can be an, a third option on the offensive side of the ball a max contract. They're not gonna do that. So mm-hmm. you're not gonna be able to move that contract unless you find a sucker somewhere, which you, you can always find a sucker somewhere, but it'd be a real, real stupid sucker. I'm just saying. Right. No, I agree with that. I think that's the problem because we heard the rumors before this Harden trade went down was that Daryl Morey is trying to clear the Tobias Harris contract to create another max spot on the team to get an actual legit superstar who deserves that money and somebody like Tobias who doesn't deserve that money and be able to take that next season and carry this team to maybe, uh, if they don't get there this year, to an NBA Finals next year or the year after that. I Yeah. I mean, you can try to buy it. You, I mean, you can try to find a buyer for that contract. I mean, that's the main goal. If if he doesn't improve after this season and, and if the Sixers don't win a championship, but it's going to be really difficult to move that contract and to move that money. Like the team's not going really, to be willing to just be like, hey, yeah, I'll take that max player that's only a third, fourth best option and that's inconsistent. Sure. And by the way, um, a story just dropped about Embiid's comments on James Harden. Quote, Harden is completely different than all the stories that are out there. So, so that, I'm assuming that goes... That gives you was, hope. Yeah, that, and that goes I'm, based that, on... I'm, based on the, you know, the going to the clubs with yeah. the player, with the, um, you know, the musicians, the artists, and stuff like that, the nightclub atmosphere. What? Which we've seen videos. I mean, there there is proof that he does like to go out to the, to the clubs and everything, but more so his attitude, I guess, when he's in the facilities and stuff like that. And you can already notice in those practice videos that Harden's game is rubbing off on Joel and B with the step back and yeah, in their play uh, playing one on one. James Harden wants Joel and B to be a better player. He admires him as a player, and I'm sure it's mutual. 
uh, between the two. And another player that James Harden seems to want to take under his wing is Tyrese Maxey and his image that he has for his future. So I think bringing in James Harden is helpful both on and off the court with with building up guys and what he can do for the city of Philadelphia as well. I agree. It's going to be fun to watch tonight. Again, Timberwolves, 8 o'clock in Minnesota. We saw the videos yesterday, Tanner, and you mentioned it. James Harden and Beat having fun at the University of Minnesota practice facility, enjoying themselves, of course, having a morning shoot-around and then play tonight. So I think it's going to be a hell of a, a hell of an end of this season. We'll see how far they can go. But you just got to enjoy the ride because teams like this don't come around often. And superstars like James Harden never truly want to be in the city of Philadelphia. They either get traded here unwillingly or never sign in general. Yep. You better enjoy it while we got it. And win a damn championship for crying out loud. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, of course. All right, I want to transition here. All-Star weekend, some oh, highs, God. a lot of lows. Oh, but I will say this. Uh, when we're out there and watching it, well, not out there, us personally, but when our guys are out there, Harden and Embiid, out there in Cleveland over the weekend, uh, they were enjoying themselves, having fun. I know Chris Paul played with a broken thumb. I didn't really understand that. The slam dunk competition was a disaster. The three-point competition was won by Carl Anthony Towns. I thought that was pretty surprising. That was pretty cool. But overall, generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of these all-star games, regardless of the sport, Pro Bowl, MLB all-star game. I'll check out the NBA because they changed the format now, of course. Team LeBron end up winning. Uh, and LeBron, rumor has it, might want to end up back in Cleveland to end his career with the Cavaliers because of how much fun he had. And people, I think, are just rumor milling it because yeah. they saw the laughs and how he reacted with the crowd to be back in Cleveland. But uh, just an interesting all-star weekend, I guess, is the word I would use. Uh, man, I call it boring. Let's be honest here. Uh, boring just, as hell, T. Really? Man, it was boring to me. I'm a, I, 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 like you, I, I don't particularly care for these all-star yeah. weekends through, for throughout these sports. I, I, I just don't care. I really don't. In terms of the rumor for LeBron, man, he's playing wherever his son is playing. So let's end that rumor right now. He's playing wherever his son's going to play. That's it. Anyway. Do you that, think if uh, his ranked, say, pre-draft, like, say, 15th overall, do you think a team would take him first overall just to get LeBron? I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Wow. That would be pretty interesting to me. Because be if you have 14 better talents ahead of him and you take him simply to get the last years of LeBron on your team, and who knows how good LeBron is in two, three years down the road. He already looks uh, like he's slowing down a little bit. I'm not going to say a ton because I know there's some LeBron lovers out there. Man, he's slowing down. He's, I see. He's slowing down. It's, it's, it's true. And also – I hate it for him, too, because he's got to play with an overrated player like Anthony Davis, who's injured all the time. And everybody out there who says we know Anthony it's hard? Davis is a top five player in the league, can you give me a break? Please get – like, I get it. The talent is there. He might be a top five talent, but can you sit here and tell me he's a top five player? You're dumbass. You be a top five player, you actually have to play in games. I agree with you. That's the only way you can become that top ranked. So I agree with you. Anthony Davis has been a huge disappointment. I don't get it. Anthony Davis has been an injured player since he entered the league. And somehow or some way, he has not figured out a way how to take care of his body in the offseason to prepare his body for the rigorous season of the NBA. I don't get it. I, I just don't. Like you Him s- and LeBron teamed up to win titles together, titles being plural. Now, they won the bubble title. I don't count that. I mean, I don't really count the bubble title at all. Yeah. It's almost like I don't count the uh, the, the Dodgers title with the 60-game the MLB season, whatever, <laughs> because the Dodgers have always been dominant early on in their season, but they never go complete 162 games and finish, just like they didn't do last year either against the Atlanta Braves. So bringing it back full circle here, talking about 
where we're at with this situation. Of course, the Lakers and LeBron, uh, to try to get back to the all-star uh, topic, uh, LeBron obviously possibly will go to Cleveland. And you mentioned it to you. I think it's a good point. Wherever his son goes, yeah. he will end up, even if it, it is in like Sacramento or something along those lines. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. Hate to say it to people, but that's exactly what's going to happen. Now, in terms of the rest of festivities, that all, man, that dunk contest was the worst gut dunk contest I have ever seen in my life. It has gotten so boring over the course of the last, I want to say the last couple of years. Like, I think the last entertaining one was the last matchup between Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. Where, man, you had two you had two superstars that were just going at it with the theatrics, man. Yo, like, what's up with these bored-ass dunks? Like, where where's the props at? I, I, all I see is guys getting getting the ball passed off of the bat, passed off of the rim to while they slam it. I like, agree I, with you. Like I where? Think, well, how about happened? the one where they where, where the guy blew the cupcake uh, candle out and dunked it? That was pretty. Now listen, it wasn't a hard dunk, but it's entertaining. I think that's what we're all here for the entertainment value. Like, how about jumping over a car? With somebody, I was about to say again? Blake Griffin hasn't done that. <laughs> Nobody's done that since Blake Griffin. Like uh, that. Like where is the entertainment factor? Like I want to be entertained like i want to see some daredevil like shit like i don't want to see nothing boring Get on a bicycle do a backflip on a bicycle and dunk it or something i want to see some entertainment jesus christ max what the hell are you yeah. asking now for? Listen. for johnny blaze ghost rider action if you know <laughs> as much as i loved hearing you guys complain about the all-star weekend i was doing my research on why chris paul the insanity of why he stepped on the court in the all-star after it being told that he would miss six to eight weeks um, of games, but that is because he wanted to tally up assists. Um, he's now a top assist leader. He's not going to break the record. I don't think at least he will break end up breaking ass. Steve Nash's record. <laughs> but listen, yeah, exactly. If you're a Phoenix fan, you have the best record in the NBA. You're leading the West and you're a favorite to go to the finals right now. And you have your number two guy, uh, you could say out there playing with a hurt thumb. He's already out six to eight weeks. He's going to make his injury worse um, instead of resting, you know, taking your time to heal because Devin Booker is going to be out there uh, virtually, uh, you could say, by himself. And he's really going to prove his worth uh, at the remaining the season without Chris Paul. And if we're Joel Embiid fans rooting for him to go and be the MVP, we got to be worried about how Devin Booker is going to play with I the weight you. of the team on his shoulders and the amount of performance he's going to put out there, the impressive play uh, to finish out the season. It's got, it's, it's a little worrisome. All I got to say is I think, thankfully, the Sixers don't play in the Western Conference because having to go through Golden State and Phoenix both, that's a tall task. Now, Gosh. I think Chicago's a little overrated. Cleveland's a little overrated. They lost to Detroit last night. Brooklyn's still not at full strength. I will say this. Boston coming on strong. I think they've won like 11 games in a row or something ridiculous. Toronto's been hot also. Yeah, there's definitely tough teams, but not to the level of eliteness like you see with Phoenix or Golden State where you have just the Splash Brothers, CP3 and D-Book doing everything. Like the Heat are a good team. They got good players, you know, with Jimmy Butler and those guys. Bam Adebayo, very solid. You have Toronto, very solid, well-coached team. Boston, of course, the dynamic duo with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like they're solid-ass teams, don't get me wrong but they're not to the elite level of what we've seen in the Western Conference with a couple of those guys. I can agree with that. And man. I think the Heat are so close to winning a finals. They are. They're so close to winning the finals. Yeah. Um, and we saw them in the in the bubble finals against LeBron and the, the, the Dynasty Lakers, right? But 
And I agree. At least the Sixers aren't in the West because that Suns team is so dangerous with every player on their team. And going back to what LeBron said about wanting to play with his son, can we rule that as like the most amount of tampering a player can do without (laughs) technically tampering? I mean, you're basically saying whoever drafts my son is also going to get me as well. Yeah, that's tampering by rule of definition in the handbook if you want to go pull it up. Uh, it's funny wild, to me, too. But it's not surprising. I mean, I'm sure it's not surprising the most either because that's just how, how the deal's gone. And I think people have really kind of noticed that over the last couple of seasons uh, when as LeBron's son has gotten older. But at the end of the day, like, will LeBron even still be at a, at a high enough level to really contribute uh, to a t- – I'm talking about winning a title here. I'm not talking about, hey, it's fun to just see them – lollygagging out there having fun together as father so i'm talking about winning the championship and i don't know if for him at that point in his career will it be about winning a championship or will it just be about playing with his son i'd probably say it's the latter of the two but at the end of the day it doesn't matter it would be cool to see though i will say that yeah it'd be cool to see but i don't think lebron at that point of his career will be focused on championships all he wants to do is just play with his son and then that's when he said he's going right off into the sunset I mean, I mean, I'll give him kudos if he can last that long. If his if his play, if his game can last that long, and if yeah. the team takes a chance on him, yep. then sure, kudos to him. But mm, the way he's declining, I mean, not to say it's a rapid decline, but it's noticeable now, which is the scary part. I mean, I, I can agree. actually, see, everybody can actually see yeah. now that LeBron's starting to slow down. The game's different now. Yep, I agree with you. I want to transition here. Last topic of the day: MLB strike. Uh, right now, sides are still going back and forth. We haven't seen base, uh, obviously, since the it's season stupid. ended. But spring training is supposed to be starting up, and it's not going to. So I know a lot of people here. It's an outrage. Our area, and, and you guys aren't number one baseball at heart. For somebody like me who loves the game, it hurts to see. But I can understand where people are coming from because people have put out polls and whatnot about, hey, do you even care that the season's not going to start on time? Majority of people say, no, I don't really care if it starts on time or not. Uh, MLB is going to lose money either way if they don't come to agreement soon. So when are we going to see baseball played this year? Is it going to be April? Is it going to be May? Is it going to be June? Oh, my gosh. we I have no freaking clue. I really don't. I Man. And it might they got to come to an agreement. See, like they got to figure it out. Like, it, like if they don't, be, they're going to go two, three months here and lose all that money. And it's even bigger than the money at this point. Not only are you going to lose the money, you're going to lose fans at this point. You gotta remember something. All right, Max, you love baseball. Me, me and Tanner, we do like baseball. We'll watch it. But at the end of the day, baseball is a dying I played sport. baseball most of my life. Yeah. So. I mean, the, baseball is a dying sport. Let's be honest here. There's not a lot of people that watch baseball anymore. Hell, when you when you watch it on TV or when you go to the games, where are fans in the stands doing? They're in their phones. They're not paying attention yeah, to Yeah, that's them. why they had to implement the nets They're around not, so the entirety exactly. the of the ball. Field. Exactly. Yeah. They're not paying Brutal. attention to the game anymore. So on top of that, you got owners trying to be selfish and whatnot with the players and <sighs> 15-minute meetings? Like, what the hell is that supposed to accomplish? You are losing fans, and you are going to lose fans the more this strike goes on. You go ahead and play this out as long as you want to. But just know, the longer you play it out, the less people are going to care about the game of baseball. I think I've always been on one of those sides where you think about baseball, and it's one of those things, if you you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But times are changing. Technology is changing. 
And the baseball has to change with the times the more I think about it in order to stay relevant at a high level. This includes uh, pitchers. You know, they're warming up the bullpen for a reason, right? They're literally throwing 20 pitches in the bullpen to warm up. Why do they got to go out there and throw another 15 to 20 when they warm up? I get it. You want to throw three or four to get accustomed with the mound and whatnot. Just throw three or four and let's get this thing rolling on. I think also uh, the pitcher getting the ball back and just go. Like, why does the batter need to have 20 to 30 seconds? You know, that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you do it over a nine inning game, it adds up to that could add up to 10, 15, 20 minutes. I mean, who knows that you can save and get out of there on time. Uh, No one likes the mound visits. I, I think personally, they've done a better job with the mound visits. I think the mound visits have gotten better. They've gotten quicker. They're not out there all the time. And, and we know it is just a stall at some times just to get a player warmed up in the bullpen, not to give yeah. them more time. I will say I think they've done a better job with that. I don't think the meetings have taken uh, as much time on the mound. But I would love to see just the pitcher throw, get it back a couple seconds, get into the motion again and go. I think just that yeah. in itself, just throwing it back and going quicker, uh, screw you know the change in the batting gloves and stepping out of the box and everything like that. If they just did that, you know, this whole pitch clock thing is so stupid. Uh, just get it and go. And I think the game would be a lot more entertaining. It would be over and more quickly as well. It's crazy because there's so much more into this lockout than just what the fans want to see differently. It's the players and the owners trying to find an agreement um, and the negotiation process. The players want to be involved more. They want more profit. They want to be involved with the the shareholder negotiations. They want revenue sharing. That's the biggest thing for the MLBPA right now in these conversations. And the owners and the players, they've been able to agree on a, a few smaller things um, like with um, uh, with like the, the designated hitter. Yeah. And yeah. with the, I know that the biggest thing going in was the, um, was the arbitration what was, was big it? too? The arbitration, yeah. trying to reach uh, right they, the, the, with the free agency, free time agency. free yes. agency with the age, but they have the draft lottery now set up and the elimination of the buyer side of the draft pick compensation. Um, with, with the teams making trades without losing picks, but they need to find an agreement by the 28th or the opening day is going to be delayed. And it, it by the conversations and the amount of, of things dropped by both the owners and the MLBPA, it, it doesn't give you a good feeling for watching baseball on time this year. It Let doesn't. me ask you this question, because I kind of want to wrap up this conversation, because yep. uh, I know we're running out of time. What are your thoughts? And we can go into little details, because baseball is one of those games where so many little details matter with time and everything like that. Basketball, you just go out there and you hoop. Football, you just go out there and you throw the ball and you tackle. Baseball, there's pitching changes, there's mound visits, there's, you know, there's shifts, you know, there's just so many different little tweaks in the game. What are your opinions on shifting? And would you go back to just having two players on each side of the diamond? Or do you say the batter's got to adjust? The batter's got to adjust. I mean, it, it's a strategy. It like anything like in basketball, if a player, if a player favors his left, you're going to force him to his right. Same thing in football. If a, if a quarterback can't throw the fall, can't throw the ball past the past 10 yards then guess what you're going to play the short game and force that quarterback to go deep it is strategy what does that player have to do if he has a weakness he has to work on his weakness so if you hit primarily to your right and you can hit pretty accurately in between the gaps and they put a shift on you better learn how to hit that ball opposite field it's as simple as that thing though because i want to get and i want to i want your input as well 
My thing is, I agree with what you're saying. I said that at first, the hitters need to adjust. But my thing is, I'm not talking about the game itself. I'm talking about the fans' perspective. The fans want to see Bryce Harper rip, rip one right past the second baseman and the first baseman and get a single. They want to have fun and enjoy their time at the game. They don't want to have to see Bryce Harper, one of the best hitters in the game, try to bunt down the third baseline every single at-bat to get a, to get a single hit. Now, that's cool once in a while, and people have fun and they applaud it, but having to force that every single at-bat to get a bunt or get a little a little knock down the third baseline, that's going to suck after a while. I'm going to say, hey, I want to see him rip one down the right field line without having four guys there. I think that's the argument that comes into play. Because that's well, this whole well, then conversation you're altering, is about fan engagement. Right, you're altering the game just for the fan engagement, though. And for what T was saying, yeah, I, I agree. Strategy, a player has to show how really how good they are in order to get on base with that aspect. But, I mean, this is a matter of making baseball fun again because what we've noticed as the years decline, I mean, the baseball viewership is just awful. It, it's so awful. Nobody's watching baseball on, on TV, it, it seems, compared to other sports, that is. And now we have hockey in the mix as well uh, recently. But I, I, think, I think I'd still keep the shifts, honestly. All right. Well, I think my, my only point is this. When you, hear, when you see the shifts and you see a guy get robbed of a double into the gap, from a, a team perspective, like, hey, they're playing it right. That's what they should do. I think from a viewer perspective and a fan engagement perspective, because this is what we're talking about, having viewers, having fans enjoy their team, maybe you throw an adjustment. And this is just an adjustment that I'm mentioning. Okay. You could have maybe two players on each. Keep two pl- keep your shortstop and third baseman on one side, your second and first baseman on the other. You can line them up wherever they want. They don't have to be technically in that simple vicinity. You can have literally two stand next to each other if you think that's your best bet. But that's just one option. Uh, to increase fan engagement because I think personally that's part of the problem. Like the game itself, too many strikeouts, walks involved, and home runs. I get it, but the ball's not put into play with singles and doubles um, as it should be, and I think that would help. Well, if you just, well, also, I, I mean, they they have taken away yeah. steroids as well, so you know that did kind of. Now listen, let's ho- let's hope they're not talking about this right now in the negotiation process. Fan engagement is not a top priority for no. the MLB right now. The top priority is getting their players back on the field. We're yeah. talking about what goes into these conversations with the revenue sharing and having more respect for players because that's the most important. These players bring the product. They show, they display the product. The owners want more money for just sitting there hiring these guys and ripping them off. And that's the biggest problem in these negotiations. And I really don't think it's going to get settled anytime soon. I agree. I think the players deserve the arbitration and whatnot, getting free agency a year faster. I'm cool with all that. I think you need to increase the the minor league players' money, of course, and their salary and their living space, but not to the extent that they're treated like royalty. I mean, I think one of the big things is they got to earn their way. Listen, they're minor leaguers for a reason. And and the payoff is, hey, you get treated a lot better and you earn more money, more respect as you get to the major league level. Because, listen, major leaguers are a different breed. And when you get to the major league level – that's a different, that's a different, a whole different animal. But they need to at least have a solid living. I mean, you're playing triple A baseball, you're a hell of a good baseball player. You know, you got to get he- better yeah. living, a better living life, food and whatnot. They just need to be treated better. I'm not saying increase their whole everybody's salary by five million dollars. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying give them more money, more incentive, and just treat them a little bit better. I think that's where the negotiations because I think the players from that standpoint are saying, hey, we got to explode the minor league, you know, revenue here. I'm not saying explode it, but you definitely need to increase. I agree. But you better hurry the hell up 
and figure something out. <laughs> yeah. It's a good way yeah. To, hey, it's a great way to edit. You better hurry the hell up because I agree. No, like, it, seriously, but seriously, they do need to hurry up and they need to get this thing yep. figured out because, well, well, for one thing, from a personal standpoint of view, hell, what the hell am I supposed to watch after the NBA Finals is over? I need something to bridge me over between the end of the basketball season and the football season. So I need that bridge. That's first and foremost. Yep. Secondly, you? you lose. You're going to lose fans. All right, you you're slowly surely going to lose fans, and it's going to be over greed. You really don't want that. Just saying. All right, Tanner. Tanner, you got the last word. No, I'm just I, I'm I'm with T in mentioning how the MLB can make baseball better. It's a shame because that was their main problem before the lockout, but now they have to focus on getting their players even to play this sport and all. But don't forget the USFL is starting. The draft has happened. So we might see a little football earlier uh, when that lasts about, what, Woo! two months until it gets um, canceled. Yep, until it goes on. We know it's hard. All right, well, hey, I will say this. Sixers tonight, Phillies will see. Of Let's course, go. Uh, it's been a lot of fun with James Harden. So enjoy the Sixers while we all can. Have fun. And, uh, that's all that matters, really, because at the end of the day, Right now, without baseball starting anytime soon, it's the Sixers to carry us as far as they can. Yeah, pretty much. You can't rely on the Flyers. That's for damn sure. Nah, you can't. Okay. Cross that under the rug. All right, we'll shut, we'll shut it. Don't, don't even go. Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> yeah. You guys missed any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. Available on all major downloadable platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, the entire Shabazz. Um... Can we just eliminate the Flyers from the Big Four and put the and, and put the, the lacrosse team up in? No, the soccer team. Put the soccer team in there. Union. There you go. I'm just saying. Flyers shouldn't be counted as a top four team in the city. Get off the blocks! Get the f*** out! Because that guy doesn't know yeah. what the hell he's doing. In my opinion, that sucks. It really pops out and it grows.